Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 73 of you the Severe... I, I did not steal your bit. Episode 73 of the Severe MMA podcast is here, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, by... Here, this is how uncoordinated I am right now, Sean. This is a great opening. My earphones aren't even in there, so... Episode 73 of the Severe MMA podcast is here. When you're doing that... What happened, ladies and gentlemen, is we were sitting here, ready to record a couple of seconds ago, right? About about two minutes ago. And I, all ready to go, I had the app open on my phone. I was ready to do an introduction, introduce my beautiful co-host, Sean Sheehan, all the way down from Limerick. That's what I was going to do. And then I was going to say, Sean, have you got anything to say to the listeners? And then I was going to blast you with the air horn. And instead, Sean sniggers to himself before we start recording, ladies and gentlemen. And he said, wait a minute, I just have to do something. (laughs) Muted his microphone. Took about two minutes. I started shouting for him. And then he said, yeah. And then I heard him talking to himself. This worked the other day. I don't know why it's not working now. So, Sean, go and check my Snapchat story. Because I documented it while you went away and I said, this cunt is going to try put an air. Oh no, I can't, can I say see you next yeah, Tuesday? You I said, this see you next Tuesday is going to try and air horn me. So I'm going to have to do it as soon as I start the podcast. Well, I wasn't going to air horn you, I was just going to air horn the audience. All oh, right. We Sorry. Didn't know what I was going to do, I was going to wait for you to say my name and then I was just going to go. <laughs> oh. You see, I, I had it planned, Sean, that I was going to do a big reveal and be like, well, you know, we're all about the technological advancements here in severe MMA. Um, yeah. We're at the forefront. This is going to be next level to our podcast. I decided to scrap that joke, however, when we were delayed 45 minutes due to my mixer not recording my microphone properly. But that was what I was going to do and then introduce the air horn features. I also have a Scream. <laughs> And hit. Bit of a sadistic app. All we need is just we. All we need is the horns. Oh, this my app is called MLG Sounds, like Major League Gaming. Have you ever seen those videos? No. No. Okay. Highly recommended. I'll tell you about them in a minute. More importantly, what does this sound remind you of, though? It reminds me of guys fighting in a cage who are really good at taking supplements and stuff like that. I, look, funny enough, we're in a similar line of thinking because I was thinking a sports day. Mm. Okay? Now, obviously, you always hear those uh, noises when the races are going on. So I figured, I'm going to go with your segue, Sean, because I figured that if I get into a theory of explaining of explaining my ideology behind giving supplements and steroids to children so that <laughs> so, so your child wins all the medals at the sports day may get a couple of angry tweets so let's just say you're a fighter and you need to recover inside after your training what do you think who do you recommend 
rosnutrition.com is who I'd recommend Andrew what about really? you rosnutrition.com is exactly who I would recommend Sean great friends of the podcast Irish based um, we have a lot of time for each other big fans of each other work if I do say so myself Sean um, they are an absolutely outstanding supplement company um, head on over to their website everything is broken down for you if you're like me if you're oblivious to all of that sort of stuff you just never used to take anything you never would um never worry about that it's explained so easily why you need everything they've got um all their protein powders pre-workouts post-workouts they've got um great capsules they've got the omni joint originals sean for those bones i know we have some of them each i need some of them actually i definitely need some of them um, vitamin, them them get some. vitamin d capsules but for best. me best thing that i've had if you're listening to this if you train mixed martial arts if you train brazilian jiu-jitsu if you train any of those things um bc i think they're called bcas either way you put them in water they're like a dissolvable diluted drink it really does keep you going it keeps your energy up over the training session gives you more energy if anything i would say sean because i really have been noticing a massive difference from using it thank you so much as, as always to the lads from rs for sending them out sean i believe there's a care package going out to you this week oh just really? so you know yeah i got the last one i said look my boy sean Sheehan needs it sent them down the email address they're going to slide into your dms real quick i'll sell them off and make a bit of extra coin i think excellent coin you know chase that <laughs> claw edge yeah <laughs> so um head on over to rsnutrition.com you can also if it's also broken down for you so if you're Say you're not a mixed martial artist or a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu player. Uh, let's say you're a GEA player. We have a lot of GEA players, a lot of high-level hurlers. Uh, Shane Heffernan. Not fucking uh, And especially uh, don't, Shane Heffernan, Dan Sturich, all them boys, big hurlers. They've been using all of these things. Um, yes, we'll get to Limerick, don't worry. Um, if you're an athlete of any sort, it's broken down by the category for you. It's broken down by your sport. It's broken down by your discipline. They have all the recommended products. If you're just going to the gym, you want to uh, put on size, if you want to lean out a little bit, if you want to shred, again, all covered over at rsnutrition.com. But it gets even better than that, Sean. How could it get better than that? Well, it can. I'm telling you, right? Take my fucking word for it. Because if you go over to ORS Nutrition, put everything you need in a cart. First of all, they will recommend extra things for you to help you also. They will also tell you, oh, thanks very much for spending this amount of money. Here's a free gift on us, and you select from a couple of things that are on offer. Could be protein shakers, it could be anything. So, you get to the end, you're about to put your card details in, think, hmm, I'd love a discount on this. Well, you're in fucking luck. Severe MMA in capitals gets you 25% off your first order. Um, Very, very good support. We feel coming from the podcast listener, Sean, as well, we cannot empathize enough that if, or empathize and emphasize, yeah, empathize. I yes sympathize with us on the issue um <laughs> you have empathy for me for making such a mistake Sean but I meant what word again emphasize emphasize um that every order that goes through massively helps us um we have a very good relationship with ROS and we would like to continue it through the podcasting nation getting behind us and ordering a couple of supplements all right Sean you are 25% off rosnutrition.com promo code severe mma and one final thing just before we get on Sean yes they have the eagle has landed since last week we've had a lot of questions about it we'll get it out of the way at the start the severe mma t-shirts have arrived they are in stock they are in limited quantity and we are figuring out the most effective way to sell them online so that everybody gets a fair shot I do think, Sean, to be fair, between the amount of people that have been in touch that are able to source them locally, 
it's more than half the stock so i would like to put a certain amount online so that people that are uh, fans of the podcast that may be living other parts of ireland or the world even to be able to get a certain amount of t-shirts as well so please just bear with us on that hopefully before the next episode of the podcast all will be revealed and uh, you can start purchasing away so um the that's about it am i right yeah. Am I right, Negan? Head on, on the claw wedge stuff started out. Claw wedge stuff, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Over and oh, and of course, thank you very much to uh, Scramble who produced them for us. Uh, their website is scramblestuff.com. Go check them out for excellent gi and no gi Brazilian Jiu Jitsu fight wear. Gi. Gi. <laughs> um, speaking of which, Sean. Yeah. I've completely uh, forgotten about what we were going to talk about as soon as we got off uh-huh. the topic of claw wedge. Do you, know, do you know what I want to talk about? Cork. I miss Cork. Oh yes, it, that's. Yeah. I was actually going to bring that up to you because you were in. Was it the Windsor? No, no, I was in the Wilton. The, the Wilton. Wilton Bar. The last time I was there actually was about five and a half years ago when I graduated from college. <clears throat> I went for uh, we went for dinner there afterwards. This was the first time I was there today. I had a lovely bit of dinner there. Going to the, the Wilton Bar, yeah, nice. We were brought to um, at the. Uh, the airport but I just you know, reminiscing I went to obviously people don't know I went to college and UCC and stuff Jesus, just reminiscing about all all the cans I drank all the fucking crack I had all the FIFA we played like I miss it terrible life is just terrible after college if you're in college don't leave just stay there forever just keep staying just stay there forever yeah so <sighs> I had that discussion like and we never actually got to get into it with each other because I would like to have a I I feel like I was a little, I don't want to say out of bounds or over the mark. I feel like I didn't explain myself correctly because I completely understand where you're coming from that uh, to a lot of people. And it would have been to myself included because I struggled a lot in school that a degree is a fantastic achievement. And I was certainly not putting down, um, putting down people that have degrees. I just feel that in the age that we're living in, it can be very hard for someone to be put down themselves just by something as simple as checking their Facebook page, checking their Facebook feed. Someone could be put down massively, Sean, with their own achievement. And I know you say don't care what other people think, but we live in a generation where people do care what people think. But I think if you do something well, if you do something well, you should say what you did well and be proud of yourself and not be thinking, oh, someone else might have done badly. I shouldn't say that because I make them feel bad. Like people, okay. That's empathy. People need to man up with some of it as well, like, for fuck's sake. If someone did well, be happy for him. Like, there's a lot of jealousy and stuff. I get you, I understand. But I think that's wrong. I don't think it should be like that. You know, like, <laughs> I, like even even yourself, if you get like a, if you, if you get your purple belt now or something, you're going to put up something like that in line. Do you think you shouldn't put that up because there's someone still at blue belt who's struggling to get their blue belt? Or who's struggling, like, even to fucking get a stripe in their blue belt or something. Well, like, you're still going to put it up, aren't you? Yeah, that's 100%. My counter to that, when I saw it was tweeted to us, was that you don't get promoted to purple... Like, four people don't get promoted to purple belt, and one person has a 1-1 in purple belt, and one person has yeah, a 2-2 in purple belt. So it is different. That's like saying someone in their first year of college is getting annoyed that someone in their third year of college has got a degree. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. There's, yeah, I suppose that's a fair point to sell. But people like, oh, you know, if whoa, people record this, the twentieth <laughs> of the sixth, two thousand and sixteen, twenty-four minutes past eleven at night. Sean I, Sheehan admits he's wrong. Uh, no, I didn't admit I was wrong. It's, it's a, it's a fair point. Like, understand what you're saying. But like, I, I still think people should be allowed. If they did something well, they should be allowed to say it, not for fear of other people doing badly and upsetting them. 
if you get fucking upset at your own problem, like Jesus, come on, like man up a small bit, like if you should be. Ha- I, I, I'm like I don't have a jealous bone in my body. I, I, I just don't understand jealousy. To be honest, I like when people do well. I like seeing other people do well. Like, like how does if we I win for a degree and you win for a degree and you got a mark better than me, like that doesn't affect me. How like what difference does that make to me? I'd be happy for you that you did well. Like, you, you know, I'd, I'd you're a gentleman though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I think people need to be more like that. You know. It's, the world, the world. I was even talking to Patrick about it the other day. Like we, you know, the world has changed, and Ireland has changed. Like before, if you wanted to borrow something off someone, you just ask them, and they, you know, they'd borrow. It. Now it's to be a big argument. Like, oh, don't don't bring that back to me, broken or some shit like this. Like, oh, the world has gone to shit. Like, I'm sick of it. You're speaking my language here, Sean. I had a very similar, um, a very similar thought process to you today. Have you seen a guy on Facebook called Kit Dale? He's a Brazilian yeah, jiu-jitsu Brazilian black belt. Yeah, and he's uh, he posts very funny videos, good comedy videos. And he put up a video of him. It was a video of him topless showing the gains that he's made in the gym because he's been injured. So he can only do upper body stuff and just to show what he's been able to do while he's been recovering from his injury. And he put up a very interesting comment on the status that said, by the way, if you don't like this video, just take a second to appreciate that you're hating on another person feeling good about themselves and wanting to express that. Yeah. And that is that really struck a chord with me because I realized, Sean, I've realized maybe the last couple of weeks that the job that we do and the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that we go on, there I don't want to say there's a market, but video content in terms of just sticking a video up on a Snapchat to say, like, Sean Sheehan's taking the piss of me here and I'm about to blast him out of it with an air horn. A year a, a year ago, I would have... <laughs> yeah. By the way, I was in a bedroom and there was candles lit and uh, all of that stuff. <laughs> Excellent use. Um, <laughs> you just heard the word and you're like, okay, let's go for it. But It's got to be coming up. It is, it is a thing that people would... Oh, did you see his Snapchat? What is he at like? See, that's not like, here's, here's one thing I, I said, someone come up to me the other night in work, Sean, I had just, I'd uh, been flaring with the bottles and tins and actually make a drink from it. And he said to me, here, that's pretty impressive. And I think heading down to the park, chilling in the park and fucking doing it down there is pretty cool as well. I saw it on your Instagram, but probably came to his attention through a negative consultation <laughs> and me taking a piss no not not so much you but maybe a screenshot of it going into a whatsapp group see what this chap's at yeah not realizing that honestly i wanted to talk about this especially it's one of the most calming things i do in my life i swear to god you it's it is on par with jujitsu because you have to just go into a sort of a state to be able to do it it's nearly like a, a, a form of meditation and i on you're gonna call me full of shit here because when i talk about jujitsu you always do I feel my jiu-jitsu has improved from learning how to flare with bottles and tins. Do you want to know why? Hand-eye coordination. Not so much hand-eye coordination, but I am noticing a little bit of good bit of reaction times with my hands. It's because you're having to do it step by step. With yeah. grappling, there's a, a certain element to I'm jumping on someone's back, I'm choking them. There are movements and methods that we've been doing our entire lives. Whether we're playing with someone and we're jumping on them, whether we're wrestling with one of our mates, grappling has always been a part of human 
human, I don't want to say movement, but I'm going to have to say movement. Whereas throwing a bottle and catching it in a tin is not. So it's repetition and it's single movements. And it's single movements that become a greater chain of something, i.e. the specific steps of a certain submission to becoming a submission or a sequence or a guard passing sequence. It has steps. And I've found it, I've just been able to focus massively on tiny details in jiu-jitsu. We, final thing on it, and this is how I came I to the real... Like that as well. Go on. Okay, uh, uh, let me just finish. I was um, a friend of the podcast, a listener of the podcast. His name's John Fleming from Team Torres and Derry. He's an absolute killer. He's a blue belt featherweight as well. Uh, light featherweight for the bigger tournaments. I got to train with him for the first time in a couple of months on Sunday. I had two roles with him. They were the best roles that I've had in a long, long time. And he, throughout the whole two rolls, used one key detail that just threw me off my game. And it was when he was passing guard on top, he kept control of my sleeve. And it stopped me from being able to put my elbow on the ground to use it as a frame to post up. And I was able to compete against it, but his grip was so solid and it made me appreciate even further about how one detail can just completely change how you roll with someone or how you train with someone. So there you go. I had a very insightful fucking week. Do you know the way you say you look at it there and the kind of the method of like throwing the bottles and stuff helps you do jiu-jitsu? I always thought I've very, you know, I did maths and stuff in college. I always thought the way I think like that, I think in like a formulaic way, I always thought that helped like looking at MMA fights and seeing them like, I, I don't know. Like I heard John Gavin talking about that before, how he's like engineering and obviously there's a lot of maths and stuff in that. To, you know, how that helped him when he's looking. I always thought I was that I was that way before I even heard him saying it. I don't know. I think there is something different to that because, like, MMA is as well as and Jiu-Jitsu, they're obviously they're very complicated. Like, you know, they're not like other sports where, okay, it could be complicated because it's a team sport and there's loads of different people doing loads of different things. But it's a complicated, it's probably the most complicated single sport because you're doing so many different things in the start. And like to see all those things kind of happening at once, to happen in a kind of formulaic way with one again, one guy against another one. I think it helps uh, to, uh, to look at it that way. But just on the kind of positivity thing, like, Okay, we're not uh, me, especially. I'm not always very positive. You know, I take the piss a lot. You know, but I, I think generally I kind of am a bit like I do like online and stuff. I might take the piss or I might like, you know, just say some slagging. Like, but if in real life, I'm. But I think like it's great to see people, even like Keen Cowley, you see him on his on his uh, Snapchat, and like yes. I, I, I'm not this. I'm not the type of guy who like looks at someone and kind of gets inspired and stuff. I wouldn't do that. But the things he does on his like. He's just like I like I don't really know. I never met him or anything, but he seems like just a really nice guy. Like he took he the guy with um with special needs, and he brought him into his gym and like he trained him up and stuff. And they had like an exhibition fight, and that was just really nice. Like and he's putting up this thing about like telling people to stay in school, even though you know he didn't himself, but he had a plan and everything. Like that's great. That's like helping people. I, I like to see people doing that. But uh, yeah, it's you know these you know people get that realization at different times in their life and things, and you know. It's 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 easy not to appreciate things, but I think it's kind of hard to appreciate things. But you know, the one thing for me, and it's weird, I I used to hate Ronaldinho, right? Because you know he was supposed to sign for Man United, and he didn't. And he signed for Barcelona and said, and I always hated him. I was like, oh, he's useless. He's overrated. And all. But I kind of had a realization like a few years after he signed. I was like, why do I hate him? Like, oh, he's really good. I should appreciate him. You know, I started appreciating him, and I like I'm, ever since I've kind of been like that. Unless you play for Liverpool, then you're a cunt. I hate you. Exactly. And if you really want to get 
uh, link this somehow to mixed martial arts. You can talk about the level of appreciation that people must have, yourself included, for the absolute clinic of a performance that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson put on at the weekend Ooh. against Wonder Rory McDonald. Was I right or was I right? Like, come on. Um, about Wonderboy in general being a good fighter. Not okay. So you know the other project that I will be doing and I've sent you a video of it yeah. as a tester. Did I or did I not say that I conceded that if Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fought like at his absolute best using his style of landing those strikes, he would win over five rounds? Uh, I can't remember. Well, I did, but I said... You said Rory, stu- Rory. But stupidly... Well, not stupidly, but what I thought was more than likely going to happen was that McDonald would be able to finish him and would be able to get him to the ground and finish him there. So, what went wrong? Here's, here's or what a, went right for Wonderboy? Yeah, just a big picture before we get into the actual nuts and bolts of the fight. Uh, maybe two or three months ago, maybe even longer, we spoke about something, and George St. Pierre spoke about it today on the MMAR with Ariel, and I, just, I thought I was like mad because we said the exact same thing, and I, like I brought it up and we were talking about it. MMA has changed and it goes through these phases of guys who are well-rounded, dominating, like George St. Pierre and, you know, like uh, who, John Jones and uh, Robbie Lawler and things like that. But then it goes and changes to like where people who are dominant and elite in one thing dominate. Like back in the early days, obviously Heist Gracie is the biggest example early. You see Ronda Rousey uh, doing it in in, uh, in women's MMA for years. Um, who else? Like Matt Hughes with his wrestling. Even Chael Sonnen with his wrestling uh, to a certain degree. Now you've seen Wonderboy do it. And the change is happening. George St. Pierre talked about it as well. And I think it's happening because everyone is kind of, it's kind of levelling out the wrestling and do, not offensive jujitsu but defensive jujitsu, I think it's kind of uh, a lot of people are so good at it, and there's you know there's so many good jujitsu people now in the world that it's kind of easy, not easy to teach, but there's it's easy to get a teacher to teach you if you know what I mean. Like, and if you spend enough time and and if you're a good enough of an athlete, you can learn it over like a few years, like five or six years, like Wonderboy has done. But I don't think that that level of striking has been brought into MMA yet. I, uh, there's no, I don't, I, like I said this last week and I've said it for months and months, there's nobody would wonder by his level of striking in MMA. Well, may, look, maybe there's Joe Schilling stuff, but there's no one at the level that he's finding at where he has perfected takedown defense. Like he's, remember we used to talk about BJ Payne and Josie Aldo and stuff having great takedown defense and getting their striking out because of that. Wonderboy is that now with better striking, with more elite striking, with striking that's modern to MMA that he has adapted unbelievably well. Like he is the new, he really is the new breed of top MMA fighter, I think. And uh, like if this keeps happening, if there's like a trend like this where the really kind of elite strikers and maybe like even like Damian Maya, he's he's doing really well. Like his elite jujitsu is showing up like over other guys. I think that makes for an even better sport because you're seeing these great things and you know these great things happening with great fighters and it's just I think that's that's brilliant. Where like when you've well rounded guys it kind of gets a little bit a little bit samey or a little bit boring maybe but when you get these really, really elite guys at one thing it, you know, it just illuminates everything, I think. That was beautiful. Uh, thank you. 
there uh, would bring a tear to a glass eye. I do agree, but it's not. I don't think it's some like. I think you are kind of overstating it to the point that this has happened before already, though, because otherwise Joe Rogan wouldn't cream himself and people wouldn't be taking the piss by every time someone has an impressive fighter, an impressive title fight. Welcome to the whatever era. Do you know what I mean? The Machida era. <coughs> and it's because he had a very... I know we got questions about it. Machida and Wonderboy, if you really want to break it down a wee bit, you could maybe say that Wonderboy is the 2016 version of the Nike football boot compared to the 2010 version of the Nike football boot. The 2010 version is Lyoto Machida. The 2015 version is, Leo, is, uh, is Wonderboy. Do you know what I mean? It's a similar principle or a similar style or a similar set but just fine-tuned to the utmost level for example Lyoto Machida you always had the I don't want to say you always had the the thought in the back of your head but he's he can be taken down there's no hassle with him being taken down watching the fight at the weekend I actually thought Wonderboy looked next next to impossible to be able to take down and it's because of his altered base. Machida never fought that wide. Do you know what I mean? Machida, in my uh, maybe I'm wrong, Machida never looked as open as Wonderboy does. Machida maybe had faster striking or better timing or better technique. What, like, I'm not saying he did, I'm just saying as, as potential arguments. But he wasn't able to incorporate that with genuinely being able to get the fuck out of danger and also to position himself standing in a way that's like, don't even bother trying to take me down here because I'm going to be gone and I'm going to hit you on the way out. And I think that just completely screwed Rory McDonald up completely. Aside from the fact that he was looking like he was partaking in a traditional Muay Thai ritual for most of the fight with his uh, with his strike with his high guard and the striking, and like really wanting to put hands on on Wonderboy before he uh, he made contact with him, that confused me a lot. Do you know? I was that you that just got that note that uh, noise no, or me no, must have been me. Yeah. So if everyone's just checked their uh, their screen their backgrounds there, it was me. You didn't get an update. Um, I just think. I'm not saying, like, fair enough, okay, I picked Rory and, oh, I wanted Rory to win and I wanted you to be disappointed that Wonderboy lost or whatever like that. But I do think that Rory McDonald gave an absolutely terrible account of himself for what we know Rory McDonald is capable of. And Really? You think that was the best Rory McDonald that actually... You believe him when he says... Then... I think Wonderboy is just that good. You think Wonderboy just made it... Do you think that Rory McDonald was a better Rory McDonald than the one that did five rounds against Lawler last year. It's obviously a very different fight. But I don't think Rory McDonald... Like, but, Rory McDonald, what could he do? Like, I said it last week, what can he do? Like, he survived by being ultra, ultra defensive. Like, he tried the early DMNR rolls. He tried to take him down. He couldn't take him down. Like, what do you want Rory to do? Like, I, I spoke last week and I said, I thought not Ronda would knock him out early because I thought Rory would throw his jab if he was... I thought Rory wanted about sloppy takedowns, and then I thought Rory would throw his jab when he's on the feet, but he didn't throw the jab. He just kind of stood there and waited for Wonderboy. As you said, he like he stood with his hands high. What like what can you do? What 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 was he supposed to do? I like I'd love to know. He went for like those luminary rolls. He tried to get him down. He couldn't get him down. He couldn't take him down against the fence. Every time he jab Wonderboy countered and hit him. He turned up the volume in the, in the last seven or eight minutes of the fight, got his nose shattered, his face broken, nearly, you know, Wonderboy rocked him two or three times. 
there's nothing you can do. He's he's fighting the best fighter in the world. Like I, I honestly, like I'm a huge fan of Rory McDonald. I think Rory McDonald is the second best fighter in that division, even though Robbie Lawler's beaten him twice, and I know that's a bit odd, but I still think his skills are the second best. But Wonderboy's on another level. He he is. He's just on another level, and it's not just me because I like him. He, like I, his skills are just unbelievable. Like I, I think a, a big underrated part of Wonderboy's game is his hands. Now I think we spoke a little bit about it last week. Like when you go up against a guy like Wonderboy or even le- less so, um, less so, uh, Leona Machida, you kind of look at their kicks and you're like, oh, they're very dangerous kicks. You know, he's question mark kick and he's his roundhouse kick and he's uh, spinning back heel kick and stuff. We kind of forget that his hands are so good as well. And I think that's why he's actually so good because if he just had the kicks, you could take him down off the kicks or you could get him, you could jab him and you could hit him like that. But he's countering with his hands. Unbelievable, especially off the fence. That's why, you know, he stops most of it. He stops being taken mostly by fighting off the fence with his hands. Like he will go forward and he'll hit you with his hands if you push him back. And it's like, it's impossible. I honestly don't know how, how like what you're going to do to beat him. Like Matt Brown showed he could beat him and he changed everything and he got way better at how Matt Brown beat him. No one's going to beat him in the strike unless you like, you know, you land a big huge shot like Rory landed about three shots in that whole fight I watched back all of his other fights Robert Whitaker landed two or three shots he did really well against him I thought better than anyone and he did it by pressuring him and throwing shots but he, he had a lot of shots in the meantime as well no one else has, has touched him really apart from that Matt Brown fight I saw you know it's a t- like Rory what cool, I don't I honestly don't know like uh, you uh, I always look at fights and say afterwards okay maybe he could have done something different to win but I don't know what Rory could have done I honestly don't so watching watching it I know you're going to just keep saying what could he have done what could he have done tell me <laughs> the only thing he could have done wouldn't yeah okay fair enough probably <laughs> probably wouldn't have worked because this is the thing that I find the most interesting about watching fights now these days. There was a time watching that fight, I think it was during the third or the fourth round, that Rory McDonald, and it actually, no, it was one of the final exchanges in the fifth, Sean, because it happened a few times. Rory McDonald just let out a sigh or a massive breath, do you know what I mean? And thought like, that should have been it, or that could have been it, or that could have been my opening, and I'm after getting smoked. You know, that sort of way. There was times where Rory did look threatening, building tiny bits of momentum, like over the space of like 45 to 60 seconds, like moving well, landing strikes. Here comes the next. No, he's gone out of the way and he's just caught me with a step away, like a, a step away across and he's gone. And now his foot's gone up into my rib cage. And what's going on here? When he, ju- like the 60 seconds before wonder boy landed the spinning spinning wheel kick in the final round that bust that finished the nose off and did it give him a hematoma on his head as well uh a little bit yeah he, kind of, yeah, he did well to survive it like to be yeah because it was a glazing one and it, yeah. w- it was a glancing one and it still did that much damage but l- the sequence leading up to that showed mcdonald landing a couple of good strikes do you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, here's my momentum. Here's my momentum. No, I'm just going to take it straight away from you. And then McDonald looked like a shadow of his former. Like he literally put, stood where he, he kept standing in the same place, put his heads up, his hands up over his head and just like, just keep like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I just thought like, that's a fighter 
finding out in the cage. He even said a post-fight. I think Roy McDonald's, the way that he reads the game and analyzes it even immediately in the feet is absolutely fascinating. He was like, yeah, this guy's great. He had a great game plan. He beat me. I don't really know. I'm just, he was just, he's just better than me. Do you know what I mean? None of this excuses, none of this, none of that. I know some of his very, very, very patriotic colleagues that are Canadian oh, mixed martial God. artists that uh, cover Jesus. the sport felt the need to score the card the fight what was it 48 47 McDonald. 48 47 mcdonald hmm thanks for that um there's nothing like rory mcdonald didn't win around the bat fight no way wasn't there uh calls online sean for that guy to be removed from mma decisions yeah, I think like I think that MMA decision is brilliant. It's it's a great thing, but I think they definitely need to clean it up. You know, there's people on it that really should be on it and stuff. And it, it, you know, it's really great. But when you have a guy like that, like you, you know, you have to take him off because it kind of loses a bit of credibility. You know, it could go like the UFC, you could media go like rankings. UFC media rankings or something like that. So I think they need to, you know, immediately take him off. Mostly, I'd say 90, 99% of the people on it are, are very good. But, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely maybe two or three who, who need to be uh, eradicated. Eradicated. Mm-hmm. Anything else? What did you take from it? I think it's a, I think he's a very, uh, a very, very, very good matchup for Robbie Lawler. Yeah, I think it's easy money. I don't, you know, I, I think uh, Tyron Woodley or Robbie Lawler, I think... I think Tyron Woodley, even though he said he wanted Robbie Lawler, I think Tyron Woodley is the easier matchup, to be honest. Uh, although Tyron Woodley has, is very explosive with his takedowns and stuff, I think that would pose a little bit of a challenge, but I think he's there's no one taking him down now. Um, not enough, anyway, to keep him down, you know, take him down two or three times on the feet. It's just, no, easy money, over and around. Um, Robbie Lawler is tough, like granite chin. I could see him lasting maybe two rounds. Uh, and like he's not going to go real defensive like Rory McDonald is. He he just can't fight that way. He doesn't fight that way, and there's nothing he can do. Not against Wonderboy. It's just easy money. Wonderboy. Wonderboy. What do you think is next for Rory? Obviously, it was the last fight of his contract. Uh, yeah, he's up needs surgery now. He's going to be out for a couple of months. So, I would. I'm saying right now. Yeah, he's going to go to. He'd go to Bellator. I agree. I, I think he is. Uh, Unfortunately. Like, as bad as this sounds, right? I know there comes a time in all athletes' career that they realize this. We've spoke about the fight with Lawler and the implications that it may or may not have had. Rory McDonald's nose is going to get broken badly in every single fight he has. Why not just look at this as the point of okay, maybe you're not going to go down as the best guy in the world. Maybe you're not going to get that world title status. Do you know what I mean? You've just been comprehensively beaten by the guy who many people think is going to go on to claim the throne in that division and will rule it for maybe a couple of years to come. So you're saying he should retire? No, I'm not. I'm saying he should go to Bellator. He should beat up all the welterweights possible in Bellator and get paid very, very fairly and what he possibly deserves for... Because, like... Look at it, Sean. We're going to see it more now because we're going to talk about it afterwards. Donald Cerrone and Joanne Calderwood both speaking out about their pay at the weekend. Yeah. Right? Unless you know, because fighters know, Sean. People know deep down inside. Do you know what I mean? I know I'm not going to win a world title in jiu-jitsu. Uh, you might. Right? At the, doing what I'm doing at the moment. But I know I can show up and win a British title. 
I know I can show up and win an IBJJF competition. Do you know what I mean? I know I'm good enough to be able to do that. A hundred percent. Yeah, but Rory McDonald is good enough to win the Euro, the UFC you, title. You think Rory McDonald is good enough to beat the to win the UFC welterweight title? Even it, but if that means having to fight Wonderboy no, at that stage, in, but, yeah. but that, things that's, change. Like Wonderboy could get injured, or you know, Robbie Lawler could catch him with a big shot. I know, you know that. There again, you know? I know that. That's completely fair. But yeah. I'm just saying, some guys definitely have this realization in themselves that they're not going to become the best in the world. And at that stage, at the stage we're in now, between all of the head trauma stuff that we know, and between all of the uh, bad, like the Reebok deal, maybe for the fighters and yeah, lack of sponsorships. Go and make the money where you can and look at this from your long-term future. Do you know what I mean? So what? You're not going to be a UFC world champion. You're going to be able to support your family when you're... Do you know? Like, that's yeah. that's me, okay? But fair enough. Other guys will have the belief that, yeah, I'm going to get to this level. I'm going to become a UFC world champion. And the money will be able to support my family from there for the rest of my life. Do you know I what I mean? I don't think Rory McDonald is at that stage yet, though. You know, I still think... I still think he's in his prime. Like I still think he's, you know, he, he's he spoke just about getting into being his prime. animalistic, Sean, during the week, and he looked, he did not look that in the in the cage. I think at the weekend, but like this is what I was, as I said, eleven months out from a fight like that. Then you're thrown back into a a fight with a guy. It's fairly like as bad as it sounds. He should have had a tune up fight. He should have fought someone else before he had to fight Wonderboy or before he fought Wonderboy. Because going back into the cage after what his previous fight was like, we have no idea how he was going in there. And then again, Rory McDonald does strike me as the type of guy that when he would turn around and say, no, I feel no different, you'd kind of believe it because he's looking at you as if he's going to like pull an axe from behind his back like the ultimate serial killer. But He seemed happy in the press conference. It was weird. Like a weight off his shoulders or yeah. to be like a relief or something. It was... It was weird, yeah, but yeah, I think he just wants time off now. I think look, as I said, I agree with you as well. I hope you know. I hope he gets paid wherever he goes. To be honest, I think it'll just be unfortunate for him to go to Bellator now because all they have there is Krishkov. They have no one else. Ben Askren, bring him back. Ben Askren, yeah, bring him back. But even if you had the three of those fights, what else? There's nothing else for him there. Like MVP as well. There's you know, money maybe. there from. Yeah, there's more, I'd love to see him do that, but I still think, like, I'd love to get him to get that money and fight in the UFC because we want to see the best of him against the best guys. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I don't think the UFC will pay money unless our new Chine, Chinese overlords come in and and uh, give, decide to pay everyone lots of money, but I don't see that happening either. But, yeah, I think I think he'd be off the Bellator, unfortunately. That's, that's the way things are now. But, um, I suppose we get into the the rest of the card before we move on to other news. Uh, you mentioned it there, um, Donald Cerrone. I thought it was one of the best performances of his career against Patrick Cote on Saturday night. Dominating for round, I thought I think he set the tone early by getting that takedown, um, and he, uh, uh, you know, we we spoke about it before how he's kind of a bad starter, and he spoke about it a lot. Uh, I think that helped him kind of okay. I'm not going to be strong. I'm not going to get caught. I'm not going to get knocked out here. I'm, you know, I've taken this guy down. I've a bit of, you know, I'm getting into this fight, bedding into the fight. And even when I got back up, he looked, you know, he was bedded in and he looked more confident and he's striking looked better. I saw a lot of people talking about how his boxing looked better than it ever did. And I think it did. Uh, you know, he's, he's a very Muay Thai based kind of fighter and his actual kind of, you know, his jabbing and, and his hooks and stuff. 
our kind of you spoke about it there with with Roy McDonald kind of throwing standing in a different stance and he kind of throws him from the stance but his stance at the weekend his his footwork looked very different than it does normally and maybe that's a little bit because he was fighting against Cote who likes to you know try to big overhand and maybe standing up tall isn't as good but he was sitting down when these punches landing with more power and uh, I thought you know I thought it was a great performance finished him in the third um, it was the crispness if if I'm looking at anything of his striking in the third round. Yeah. In the later round, the sequence of the finish I just thought was absolutely lovely. The best of it was when Cote, like Cerrone, was already walking away, and Cote was like, "No, I'm gonna pull guard," and then he like tried to go back onto his back to start playing guard, and the ref was like, "What are you doing, mate? Just get up! Like this fight's yeah. over!" Like, and that would he ended up getting the, another knockdown before finishing him. But I do think he was just having massive success. The other side of that in the third round, Cote, I don't want to say it looked like he was sparring Cerrone. But his shots were like as if he was throwing his shots to try and open stuff up. I remember, I think it was two strikes in that round. Two or three strikes, if I remember. He threw uh, three right hooks that just hit Cerrone's bicep. Do you know what I mean? Hit his arm. Like, and you're just thinking, like, what is he, what's he doing here? Like, he's just going through the motions of this final round as opposed to looking for any sort of finish. And it was off yeah. one of those bicep shots. I think Cerrone dropped him for the first time with the left hook. So. Very tough matchup as well for Cote because... You know, his wrestling has kind of brought him onto this new level where he is at the moment. Uh, you know, from obviously he's a, a veteran that's been around for a long time. But I'm really a, annoyed, Sean, because I had yeah. this saved. I'm on a new level. I'm on a new level. Patch cut here. Because you kept saying. Uh, new level. No, you didn't say new level earlier on. You said something level. Another level or something. Another level, and I was just kind of like, at what level, Sean? And then play that. <laughs> but, but, oh yeah, well. Cote, yeah, Cote's, his new level of of uh, game recently has been based on <laughs> off of his wrestling being added into, the, obviously, he's a big over and a big knockout blow. But wrestling against Don Cerrone isn't the best thing to do because Cerrone's very, very good off of his back, and he, he's very dangerous with submissions. I actually thought that's how he was going to win. I thought Cote was going to take him down. He almost did submit him at one stage, but um, it's a tough, very tough matchup for Dan Cerrone, especially, or for Cote, sorry, especially with how, how well Cerrone's striking looked. Uh, next, next for Cote, I'm not sure. He'll probably just go back into the mix. Uh, Cerrone, I'd like to see Cerrone against Gunnar Nelson. Nelson. What about that? Yeah, I saw that tweet the other mm-hmm. night. Would watch. Five, yeah. He he wants to get on one of the fights in UFC 200 week. Uh, I don't know if that's Cerrone does. Some, yes, someone will surely pull out. There's what 36 fights or something. Yeah. Yeah. He he could. I don't know. Maybe. I don't I ho- know. I hope it's. I hope it's not Dosanias or Alvarez anyway, because I have my preview written for that. <laughs> when I didn't pull out, I'd be mad. Or Joseph Duffy and Mitch Clark. Just for the laugh, right? Stick yeah. him against Nate Diaz, UFC 202. Nate Nick Diaz. <laughs> Nick Diaz. Yeah, this, uh, apparently, I was listening to MMA earlier and they said um, Nick and Nate are refusing to fight in the same guard. They want to go. Because Nate has spoke about that on the one hour thing with Ariel. So that means they're obviously looking to match Nick for that oh, card. Yeah, too. yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, elsewhere in that card, uh, the Joanne Calderwood Valerie Eterno fight was really weird. We had a few questions about that later on. We'll get to that finish. It was just. Very odd. Um, Steve Boss's Sean O'Connell, great fight. Oh. I thought it was. I thought it was a, an absolute robbery. To be honest, I thought Sean O'Connell clearly won that fight. Really? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Hundred percent. I, I would have to watch it back. I was watching yeah. it in uh, my friend Donald's house after work on Saturday. There was a load of lads that had been out that night drinking there, and it was it was hard enough to focus 
on it. But I was under the impression that uh, Boss took two and three. No. O'Connell, Boss took two, O'Connell took one, and O'Connell definitely took three. I'd have to watch it again as well. I may have been going to be strong on it, but I watching it live, I was like, oh, this is just easy. O'Connell definitely has a one. Like, he was landing a left hook after a left hook in round three. He, he, he had Boss hurt maybe three or four different times. Was, okay, that's definitely his round now. Them Canadians are worse than them Russians for the, for the robberies, I'm telling you. Oh, we get stop. That later on. Uh, Elias Theodoro, Sam Alvey, one of the worst fights of the year, absolutely. <laughs> Awful, what happened to Sean Sheehan's 65 to 1 double? No. <laughs> Tell the good people. No, no, that's what we leave it at that. Yeah, I, I'd, won, I'd wonder why in Sam Alvey in our first round knockouts, neither of them went well, brought him into decisions. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't great. Uh, Colby Covington looked good again, even though he's a horrible person against Jonathan one year. Uh, Ali Baggs looked good. And Christoph Jacko against Tanam McCrory. Uh, um, performance tonight, I reckon, maybe. Brilliant knockout of of Dam Dam McCrory in a matchup I wouldn't expect them to win to be honest, and that Misha Serkinov as well. You know we talk about light heavyweight and heavyweight not having these um, prospects coming through. Serkinov twelve and two now won his first three fights in the UFC all by finish. He's the guy who broke the fella's face. Remember the last the last time neck crank, and he like he broke his jaw. Uh, twenty twenty nine years of age, good prospect coming through there in, in the uh, in the light heavyweight division. So. I, I keep an eye out for him. Eyes peeled. Mm-hmm. Right. Speaking of the light heavyweight division. Speaking of life after the... I actually should have checked the running order. Are we talking about Fedor next? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Speaking, Speaking of the light heavyweight division. Fabio Maldonado. Must have had someone at some point... In between of the fighting, because we're obviously going to have to talk like our new favorite play by by play <laughs> commentator. Yes, Feather! <laughs> that means, yes, Feather! They are chanting, Feather, Feather, Feather! Which means, Feather, Feather, Feather! He's nothing to be proud of after that performance. <laughs> he has nothing to be proud of. Uh, we're going to make some excuses for him. Excellent. Like, unbelievable fight card. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about EFN 50, which is a Russian fight card that happened last Thursday, Friday, Thursday or something like that. Friday. And Fedor Emelianenko fought uh, Fabio Maldonado in a, in a... It was a very good fight, to be, a to be fair. A thrilling contest. thrilling contest, yeah. Uh, which Fedor got the shit beat out of him for the first round basically an obvious 10-8 round then he came back Fabio Maldonado out of pure and utter respect for Fedor Emelianenko stop fighting <laughs> and let, let Fedor Emelianenko come back and Fedor won the last two rounds pretty decisively both 10-9s and it was an obvious draw and they obviously in Russia where Fedor is like the minister for fucking MMA they scored it for Fedor and Fedor won which is just a complete not a robbery excellent like. victory from the veteran <laughs> I thought um composed you know by the way i'd like to take this moment to announce brand new podcast on the severe uh, brand new sponsor on the severe May podcast it's the russian mixed martial arts federation <laughs> great fans of the podcast here lovely lovely support and um, we really appreciate guests habib magomedov ali begatinov and Fedor milenko that's it we're just <laughs> Actually, I, old. for one, welcome our new Eastern European overlords. <laughs> Me too. Um, but yeah, aside from that, 
which isn't going to happen. But if anyone is out there, you know, if you have no hassle, we'll get a look. Our emails are Andrew at SevereMMA.com oh, and Sean at SevereMMA.com. Aside from that, um, yeah, probably the biggest joke of a decision that I've ever seen in my life, to be honest, because that first round... Aside from the fact that we never see 10-8s in mixed martial arts, there was people calling for a 10-7. Could have been a 10-7. Do you know what I mean? And you would have got away with that. You know, you wouldn't have been... Well, no, he wouldn't have got away with that. He would have been He would have been brought outside. Like The person, it was a, a woman, a female judge, who scored a 10-8. She's been brought up by the Russian Federation for her score. She has to explain her score in like front of a board and stuff. No and way. suspend her, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. The hot fucking insanity. Like. F- no, that's brilliant. Like, and, well, like she's being called remember. upon for her bullshit actions. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, in all seriousness, it should have been stopped. Like Fair North Korea, <laughs> it should have been stopped at, to- at least twice. Like he was out on the ground. He hit him with like two or three more strikes. Kind of woke him up, but didn't hit him again. He was out again. Then he kind of woke up again, and he was going around like fucking Bambi around the ring. Oh, the uppercut that when Fedor was turning away, like actually like Calderwood style finish like oh just an uppercut hit him as he was walking and then he just staggered to the other side of the cage like fair play to him though like I think it's a big part that hasn't been talked about people how tough Fedor is like I, I, I think a lot of disrespect has been shown to him and I, even by us here for the last five minutes but like fair play to him for coming back and fighting through that and you know surviving and getting to the end like he's a warrior whatever you want to say about him he's not what he used to be like he was he is the greatest heavyweight of all time one of the greatest fighters of all time it's a pity to see him fighting like this you know Fabio Maldonado actually Fabio Maldonado is not the worst fighter in the world but he's not you know he's not on Fedor's level really but um, I don't know what, what do you see going forward do you even, want to see him in the UFC or do you think he will be in the well, UFC well even going from the first round up until Fedor started getting caught like I think it was an instance of maybe him taking the piss in terms of his training camp and blowing it before he got rocked those heavy shots because some of the stuff he was landing, I thought before he started losing the round, which he was, he had a lovely Vitor Belfort-esque flurry yeah, yeah. I got on Maldonado up against the cage. I was thinking, Jesus, he's looking good, like, do you know what I mean? And the way that he fought on to the end, as you touched on, I think absolutely understated fully. Completely agree with you on that. He is an absolute warrior and kept going to the very end. And there was just something sad about seeing it in the cage afterwards. Because he looked so upset, because he looked so dejected, because he probably knew himself that he lost the fight. But instead... Drew. He, what? Drew. Drew. Like okay, yeah, fair enough. Drew, drew the fight, but didn't didn't get another win on his record. Um, you've thrown me off there. You're an absolute bollocks. He you was he was he having to stand in amongst all of these people, yeah, celebrating and congratulating in his name. And I'd say that's a horrible feeling. I'd say only the only people he cares about are those very closest to him, because all of those people are either scared of him. They're just trying to lick his ass. They're just being like, excellent win, Fedor. You are the champion. You are a champion. And it's it's not the case at all. And he knows that. Do you know what I mean? After yeah. a performance like that, because he knows that if that was four years ago, if that was five years ago, he would smoke Fabio Maldonado. That version of Fabio Maldonado. And if, that was, if the fight was ten years ago, he would crucify him and do exactly whatever he wanted. With the skill set that Fabio Maldonado possesses that he walked into the cage with on Saturday night, 
Fedor from back then, I don't care what generation, don't care different generation, yeah, different 100% era, correct, yeah. smoke him. And Fedor had to learn that out firsthand. Fedor had to find that out in a fight. How does the greatest of all time react when he realizes his timing isn't what it was? Do you know what I mean? His speed isn't what it was. I'm getting caught. I'm not able to take these shots as well as I used to be able to take these shots. How does that fuck with your head while you're fighting and then to be told, actually, do you know what? Take this fight. You want it. Do you know what I mean? It's big. On terms of do I want to see him in the UFC? Yes, of course I want to see Me him too, in the yeah. UFC. Like, <laughs> God, then we'd have nothing to talk about, Sean. Yeah. I know that we like to praise white knight bullshit here on the podcast, being like, God, these fighters, it's so it's so crap to see them have to fight towards the end of their careers and uh, that was actually got a snapchat as we're recording this Spencer Carpen I think I'm saying your last name right Spencer we've been chatting on snapchat no question he missed the questions he just wanted to hear me talking in an American accent for 30 seconds you Mm. can do it as well before you start making your point but my point is it was a fucking I imagine it being a devastating thing for Fader to take us acting like yeah no we don't want to see this guy fight but we still kind of do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we talk about it. We're like, yeah, no, this guy shouldn't be fighting anymore. But UFC announced maybe a hypothetical Fedor Emelianenko versus Brock Lesnar match, and everybody would lose their shit. Yeah. And we'd like, probably do an emergency podcast about it. Probably. Like, people are people are saying, oh, I don't want to see Fedor fight. Yeah, that one lasts very long. That lasts about as long as it takes him to sign his name to the piece of paper in the UFC contract. Like, I think someone like Frank Mir, even though Frank Mir is suspended provisionally now, if... Even, you know, I don't know how long he's going to get. Someone like that would be the perfect opponent, you know. Someone kind of half shot as well, a bit like, like Fedor is. Uh, Arlovsky, I think Arlovsky would probably beat him at this stage. Even, you know, that wouldn't be too bad. Uh, given, you know, given someone like that, I think. Uh, I, even if he just fought once in the UFC, I think it would be a shame if Fedor went and retired again and did, had never fought in the UFC. And I think that would be a shame. So, you know, hopefully it happens. <laughs> When I say hopefully it happens, like if he retired now and said, "Look, I'm I'm obviously not as good as I am," that and he said, "I'm not fighting, never fighting again," that'd be the best case scenario. I think that'd be if he did that, I couldn't be happy for him. I think that'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, Got out with the health uh, intact. Well, I don't for think, what we know, I don't think that's going to happen. Unfortunately, speaking of people getting out with the the health and their health intact, George Saint Pierre. We got out with his health intact, but he's back now with his health intact again. Yeah. Announced in the MMA hour today with Ariel Helwani that he is willing and able to fight again. His um, team are going to be in negotiations with UFC about, about coming back um, to fight. And um, he wants Michael Am I Bisping. putting me off? You did put me off <laughs> with, your, with your words. Yeah, but he wants to fight Michael Bisping, apparently. Of course he does. Yeah. Of course he does. The easiest fight of St. Pierre's career. Well, I think Bisping will beat him. Oh? Mm-hmm. Bisping's, Bisping's a big guy. Like Bisping has fought at light heavyweight. Uh, is G- like GSP, what, he hasn't fought in three or four years? Is he going to be Weighing, able to take uh, Bisping now? 186 pounds at the minute, I believe. Yeah, maybe he wouldn't he be able to take Bisping down. down. Maybe I'm, that's just a nice wee tongue and cheek comment. Who knows? I do think that out of all the possible fights that George Saint Pierre could come back to, that a Michael Bisping one is the best. Yeah. Win- do you know it's what I mean? If, fight, like, yeah, could, it's yeah. because George Saint Pierre is coming back into the sport in a new era. Do you know? It's um, 
there's Wanted all by the, Randy Moat in the welterweight division let's be honest here effectively you called it he called it um, so that's fair enough he's coming back into new era there's out of competition drug testing there's different things like uh, the weigh-in procedures and we got an excellent question about weigh-ins and fighter recovery as well um, I don't know if you saw that about the knockdowns yeah. we'll get to that later Um so St. Pierre is having to come in to adapt to a new thing, maybe about his weight cutting, maybe about the pre-weight check and stuff like that. Um, St. Pierre has been fairly strong advocate against steroids, and that was part of the reason that he took a break from the sport in 2013 as well, I believe, because he didn't uh, didn't like the whole the whole thing. Maybe he's seen the amount of people caught by the USADA era, and now he's uh, he's open to coming back that way. Uh, I think it's just he said he went through um, he said he went through um, a f- training camp and he came through it well like f- people kind of forget and I kind of forget even that he did tear his cruciate ligament after he, he retired so you know there's a thing about how fit he is uh, as well and, th- and stuff I think he obviously he's recovered from that now and he's gone through a training camp so he knows himself that you know he can get through training camp fit because that's a big thing as well obviously we saw with Dominic Cruz so much that getting through the training camp is probably the biggest thing of all so um, yeah he knows he can do that he, he can get back in there he's a genius <laughs> three years three years is a long time in MMA though you know it's a very long time at the game has, has gone on an awful lot I know people maybe don't think that but it, it has really coming back gone up a ways have to respect it like three years ago Conor McGregor was getting ready to fight Max Holloway no Andy Ogle Mm. There you go. So there you go. Continue. Sorry. Exactly. No, but that's, that's what he was like. Uh, he's another one like Federer. You know, if he said I'd ne- I'm never fighting again, uh, I'd be happy with that. But he's not like Federer in that. I'm. It's kind of a bit sad seeing him. You know, it's a bit. Oh, why is he doing this? Is he doing it for money and stuff like Federer or like, you know, guys who else like Ken Shamrock or you know guys like he's not one of them. You know, he's. Well, like I, I think Bisping had probably beat him at this edge, but he could definitely beat Bisping. Like he could beat Robbie Lawler. I think he, you know, if there's anyone could beat Wonderboy, he's the man who could probably beat him. Like you know, he's he's still a top level fighter. Like he's he's not that much you know past where he was a great fighter. That that it's kind of bad now to see him fight or anything like that. So you know, I'm I, I'll watch GSP fight all the time. Um, whenever he fights, so I'm like, uh, I'm relatively glad to see him back. Even though you know he's not the most exciting fighter, anything either. Aside from that, though, the most exciting battle that we may see George St Pierre face isn't in the octagon, Sean. Where is it? It'll be in the boardroom. Even though we won't get to see it at all, George St Pierre has a massive contract with Under Armour. Oh yeah, and he has spoke about this in the past that maybe kind of hinting that the Reebok deal wouldn't apply to him because of the terminology in his contract. Hey Andrew. Hey Sean. I have I have I have something to say here. You know the way um, you know the way Brock Lesnar was signed to the UFC before the um USADA era. Yes. And because he re-signed with the UFC, and he hadn't signed. Uh, on a, a contract where you said it was in the UFC, he was able to come back and he got an exemption from testing. Yeah. Because of that, right? So that means George St. Pierre was with the UFC before the Reebok era, wasn't he? He hasn't fought since, since the Reebok era. That's true. So that means he should be able to come back with his sponsors, isn't he? He has that contract now. In theory, the U- if the UFC are able to waive something like that mm. for Brock yeah. Lesnar, I, d- I, I don't think. 
I look. I'm gonna Connor Califf. I know you're listening. A friend of mine who's a lawyer, big fan of the podcast. Not a big fan of you, but whatever. We'll get to that <laughs> next time. <laughs> I'm only messing. He actually, I think he likes you more than he likes me. No, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna slight you, but I couldn't think about it. Um, so that's fair enough. But if if person X has a contract with person Y, stating you can always wear this, right? Yeah. And then person X gets into a contract with person Z saying we will stop everybody from wearing everything but yours. But if the other contract precedes this one, then surely they can't make the other deal or there can be an exception made. I'm looking at this from the most simple possible point of view. I think that the UFC, if they wanted to, could let George St. Pierre... Like, Do you think Reebok would, would really care that much they're they're not this deal won't continue. Do you know what I mean? They've already gotten the most possible bad press out of it since it started. I don't think Reebok are rubbing their hands together at the moment thinking, ho ho, renegotiation coming up in four years' time with the UFC. This'll be a good one. Do you know? I just I think that the whole ball has been I know we've spoken to the apparel thing to death here, Sean. But if Reebok and and Adidas or Adidas are owned under the same blanket and we see what Luke Rockhold's Adidas produced fight gear look like then why isn't everybody having sick ass gear designed by Adidas do you know what I mean or just I we this kind of brings into what we're talking about next about maybe the UFC needing a uniform to look more legit for a potential takeover the out of competition drug testing a lot of things that they've put in place in the last year, now it makes sense that the takeover talk is happening. You're thinking, yeah, okay, maybe the UFC were cleaning their act up here big time so they could get a sweet deal. Who knows? Yeah, that, that's definitely it, 100%. I think a lot of people are kind of even saying that, you know, over the last year before the sale was even a thing. But we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Just last thing on GSP. Sorry. Tell me why you think he'll fight be, and be allowed to wear Under Armour. I don't think he will. Oh. I don't think he will. I think they'll make him a Reebok. Like, uh, you said there, oh, Reebok wouldn't care. Of course, Reebok could care. GSP is one of the biggest athletes in Canada. Like Canada has a huge market for them. They, of course, they want GSP wearing their uh, their apparel. And if they have an exclusive deal that all, everyone who steps inside the UFC octagon has to wear uh, Reebok, you're going to have big problems with Reebok if if GSP goes in there wearing Under Armour. And you know, even if you went in there wearing you know uh, UFC gear or something. They'd have big problems there, but the fact he's wearing a rival as well, that's huge and probably like their biggest rival because Under Armour are kind of, you know, athletes and all stuff like that where Re- and Reebok have kind of gone into the CrossFit martial arts thing big time in the last few years. So, um, yeah, Reebok won't be happy about that. I, I don't think... Will he wear an Under Armour t-shirt and yeah, Reebok shorts? Like Maybe. Or an Under Armour logo on his Reebok shorts? That, that'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe... I honestly don't know. Like, I'd hope he's allowed to wear Under Armour and I hope he gets paid loads of money, but I don't think that'll happen. Will the UFC pay him the amount of money that Under Armour were going to pay him? Mm, I doubt that. Like, when Jose Mourinho signed for Man United, he had a deal with, uh, I think it was Jaguar, right? And He had multiple deals with, yeah, with multiple, multiple people, people yeah. that conflicted with United's own sponsorship he, he, deal. Yeah, his, his biggest one is Jaguar, right? But United are obviously sponsored by Chevrolet. So... 
when he signed for United, it was huge, huge problems. Like that's what it took like weeks for him to sign for United. And, and Chelsea owns something as well as his name. His naming right, yeah. Uh, but apparently, like um, Chevrolet had to kind of like buy out his deal with, and our Chevrolet and United had to buy out his deal with uh, Jaguar, whoever it was, and then give him the money as well on top of it. So it cost him loads of money and not, you know, untold amount of stress and, and hassle or whatever. So and that's the man you want running your football club exactly. next year when you're that big. You know, yeah. Well, he, what's wrong with that? He got no deal for himself, bit of money. When when you're that big, you know. It's even tough to do, but when you're George St. Pierre is big, but you know he's not Jose Mourinho big. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough to do as well. But um, I suppose we can get onto the the sale. Jeremy Botter reporting today that uh, Zouf have have um, accepted a bid for the UFC in the range of four point two billion US dollars. Um, the, uh, the there was seal bids held by Goldman Sachs, and I think there was two different bids. Uh, one of them uh, from from a, a consortium that uh, um, I can't remember their name. But the, the one the one that's been accepted anyway is from WMG IGM, which is Ari Emanuel. You know Ari Gold on Entourage, his character uh, that guy with Dalian Wonder Group, uh, which is the um, the Chinese group and then you have the Kraft group as well which are the owners of the uh, Robert Kraft the owner of the um, um, one of the American football teams New, uh, New England Patriots I think and you've uh, Tin, Tinsent Holdings as well so big you know big changes uh, coming in the UFC uh, it looks like this the company is going to be sold. It's going to be announced in the next few weeks. Um, with Dana White staying on, Dana White's going to get money for his shares, which and are either eight point nine nine percent. Yeah, be offered more shares to come back and be still run as president with Gary Cook as CEO. Something which we've talked about for a long time here. Yeah, and I think called you know, it here first. Yeah, Eric Winter getting a promotion as well. I Fa- think they need to leave Eric Winter where he is. He's doing a phenomenal job. Phenomenal! I don't think there's anyone in the world that could do it as uh, what he's doing as well as him, to be honest. But yeah, huge changes coming uh, behind the scenes. Maybe I don't think there'll be that many changes on the actual. You know what we see. You're still going to have the same um, uh, matchmakers. You're still going to have Dana White there. In fact, you might see even see more of Dana White now because you know he doesn't have to. You know he'll have to answer to obviously the new people. But if they're keeping him on as a promoter, they'll want him out there promoting. So, you know, you'll probably see more of him. But what do you think there's going to be any big changes? What do you think it means? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing or what? Um, I'm not too pushed about it, to be honest. The, we don't know yet, really. Yeah, no, like the Fertitas, the whole, also, Jack Encarnacio from Sherdog sure uh, quoted a tweet of his from 2013. It was McGregor, Kraft, and Dana White talking post fight after uh connor yeah and i i me and graham are just out of shot do you know what i mean from we were like it was just after i interviewed connor and then he was brought out to him and i was thinking like huh he uh he retweeted and he just put hmm written down on it uh the whole the whole thing is just who cares do you know what i mean it's still gonna move on as normal there's gonna be no fertitas there anymore as you said, Dana will still be there. He may have a slightly more active role, a slightly more visible role again. Um, but 
these guys is that this is still the same group that has Chinese investors, Sean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then there you have it. As long as you can get into mainland China, which is where they want, which is where the UFC were never able to get to. Also, as bad as this sounds, as good a job as Zufa has done and the Fertitas have done and everybody has done in terms of getting the UFC to where it is, a lot of the problems that the UFC have faced up to this point has been because of the Fertitas and where like their outside income has come from. Do you know what I mean? Like Even as something as simple as New York. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough, it shouldn't have been banned and it shouldn't have been for it should have shouldn't have been illegal for as long as it was. But it wasn't it the culinary union that kept having something to do with uh, yeah. with blocking the UFC in certain states and that was just a long a long fought battle against the Fertitas out of stubbornness or out of principle perhaps, do you know what I mean? To fight against the Fertitas. Yeah. So with new businessmen, with new owners, with people that are able to build relationships, fresh relationships then this could be a good thing for the UFC long term, as long as they don't come in and this guy decides he's going to be the new matchmaker. Joe Silva, thanks very much, but I just paid $4 billion for this and I want this guy to be uh, be the new matchmaker. Hongman Choi versus Demetrius Johnson <laughs> yeah. in uh, Hong Kong this Thursday night. Yeah, uh, look, we don't, as I said, we don't really know yet how it's going to go. Um, like, this is huge, obviously the biggest story probably ever in, in in the history of mixed martial arts, and it's odd that we don't know much about it. I mean, you know, we don't know. Nobody's even confirmed it's true yet or anything. Obviously, the sources have told uh, Potter and stuff, and Ariel has kind of been report bits and pieces about it as well. So, you know, it's you know it's happening. Like so, um, I suppose the more the details come out, I suppose the more we can talk we about can it. We can talk but about it, is right? It's 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 a tumultuous time at the moment, right? Just before <laughs> we get into the questions, we've three lads we need to talk about. Um, um, I'm going to take the first one and I'll give you the last two you can talk about them Will Brooks is the first on one fire na 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 Will Brooks is on fire on fire uh, yeah he signed with the UFC obviously the Bellator the reigning Bellator uh, lightweight champion he's going to be fighting Ross Pearson uh, on one of those international fight week cards coming up in, in two weeks time um, great oh, for the UFC. sound I, yeah. I saw it was announced but I didn't know it was international fight week yeah, it friend of the podcast, uh, one of the long, the first people that I got to interview at a UFC event, Jim, Jimmy Harbison, will be there. He's one of Ross's cornermen, and Tommy Quinn may even be over in Vegas that week. A man as pretty as Tommy Quinn in Las Vegas on UFC, what? He get a magic show over in Vegas. That man. Uh, well, aside from the magic show, a man as pretty as him walking around Vegas, I will be. Oh, he will have a great week. Anyway, yeah, Will Brooks. Great signer for UFC, strong wrestler, good boxer. Um, I think he can go far in the UFC. But Ross Pearson, first matchup for the Bellator champion. It's a bit weird. He Apparently his contract isn't the best in the world. Apparently he was offered a big one. I think Front Row Brian said it was 150000 a per fight by Bellator. He won't be getting half of that. I don't think he'll be getting a quarter of that with the UFC at the moment. But it's probably incentive-based. He probably thinks he can go all the way and be a champion. And I, yeah, I could. I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I definitely wouldn't rule it out. He's a very good fighter, talented guy, and improving in a long time. You know, he's just he he hasn't even reached his peak yet. You know, he's one of those guys and um, bit of a bit of a character. Maybe not the easiest guy in the world to work with or you know to to train with. I think there's been a little bits of reports about him. You know, being his temperament not being the best and stuff. But you know, a good fighter and it's one a guy you definitely want to see in the UFC. Um, right next to. These these are your ones, James Galler, 
fight announced today against Mike Cutting and Bellator in London. What did you think Bellator that? announce that yet? They Officially. Did, yeah. Okay. Even though Graham accidentally posted it <laughs> before, before it was announced. Did he? Took it down, yeah. Well, then, at least he took it down. Um, I saw a couple of people had it up yesterday. Um, and I thought, like. Yeah, well, he, he was up. MMA Mad had it first, actually. That's why Graham put it up, I think. Oh, was, was it? Put it up by accident. We will find out what the man himself thinks, though, Sean. Oh, yes? No point in waiting. Uh, I think Wednesday. I'm going up to interview uh, to interview James with Yogurty Dave Fogarty. Nice, best um, in the world of MMA. Of course, best of luck as well to Dave going over. This will be the last podcast before it happens, will it? Or is there one more? No, there's going to be two more podcasts before he fights. Gone would over. you believe? Oh, yeah. For the IMAF World Championship, so we will get to that uh, a lot just, more. But I'm on the- Mike Cutting's uh, shout out page here, do you know his nickname? What? Gip G I P. Gip Cutting. Mike Gip Cutting. Gip Cutting. Gip, gip cutting Gip cutting Am I missing something? Mike gip cutting I don't know Mike gip, gip No I don't know yeah. Either way Bit of a Bit of a surprise It seemed like James Was going to be heading over to America I think it's better for him To be honest That he's fighting on this London card There's going to be more eyes on it Than maybe a, I don't want to say A generic Bellator event In the States But since it's their first European show Since there's going to be more European eyes on it Since uh, there could even be more International eyes on it To see how Bellator Do in a foreign country James Gallagher kicking off the main card is absolutely great for him. I believe it's going to be on Channel 5 as well, in the UK live. So, um, live, is it? I believe so. Oh, I just told someone it wasn't. So, there you go. If you're listening Did to the you? podcast, it is. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, well, no, me neither. Wait, let me check James' Snapchat. James Gallagher on Snapchat had all the information up earlier on, once it got confirmed. Yeah. Um, while, you're, while you're doing that, yeah, yeah, well, before, yeah, it's great to see James Gallagher... Um, Debut and obviously he's one of the best prospects coming out along with Dylan Took and Franz of Lambo and those guys coming out of SPG. Live on Channel 5 it said, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's right though. Hopefully it is. Hopefully it is. But uh, yeah, it's like this is, as I said when he was signed and I got a big stick for it, like that he's not going to be going in against the top guys straight away and obviously he's not. This is good, like give him, you know, give him some build up. Obviously two or three fights into his his pro career, he you know, he needs to be built up and uh uh, like I, I could definitely see him going far, but uh, not, not yet. So he's, it's good that he's getting these sort of matchups. I think this is obviously a very winnable fight for him. Um, um I'm just game is oh on yeah. Level. I, a lot of these guys at the moment. I believe uh, oh, I've closed my Spotify, so I'm not playing the track. Um, I believe my cutting said online that he was going to submit James. That he was going to oh, really? go with him on the ground. Yeah, Dave told me that today on the phone. Yes. So no, that's, that's, on that. that Good on, on that Gallagher, no, yeah. no, just on that uh, the Gallagher thing. I'm ready for him. Right, watch out. He has an awful habit of taking the piss out of my accent in every interview we do, and he's getting better at the Andrew McGann impression. But I'm ready for him. Go on, I'm ready for him. James now. Gallagher impression of you. I have it up the sleeve. I'm going to debut it on. Uh, I think I've done it before in an interview with yeah, him. Actually, you done it on here before. Did I? I yeah, yeah, no, I think it was the week after the last interview. You complimented it. It's yeah. just gotten a bit... I think I used the... Uh, when we first... Uh, an old interview that I did with James years ago, he said that his opponent Googled him. So I, I've i been practicing that one in my uh, Straban, Straban tone. And I'm just going to... Sure. As a Northern Irish man yourself... Like I'm you, not... You, an, you have the accent down. <laughs> you have the accent down. Like. Stop. Stop. <laughs> you already have it. I'm but, from uh, the Republic... Of- Speaking of Northern Irishmen, Alan Philpott as well fought at the at the weekend and gave up a gave up a loss over in Japan. Did you see the fight? I, I didn't. It was on, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was on Fight Pass. I haven't seen it yet. 
It's okay, I'll talk about it. It was an unfortunate one, really. Um, obviously, he was on fight pass, big show and stuff over in Japan. I think he said he was the first Northern Irish man to ever fight in Japan. Um, he was fighting in this cage, and the the mat looked very soft and loose and stuff. And he went to throw a kick, and he he kind of slipped and fell. I, you know, he can probably tell you better than me, obviously. But the mat looked the mat didn't look great. Um, he was your man. Looked, the guy who was fighting actually looked good on the feet as well. But Phil Bob was doing okay. It was only maybe like. 60 70 seconds um he got taken down he made a little bit of a mistake on the ground gave up his back and he got choked out then soon after that you know it was all over pretty quickly he put a i think on his uh his, his facebook page saying he was very disappointed yeah, it was a kind of a, dis- a very disappointing fight after traveling that hallway and stuff but i think we've spoken about phil Bach before you know he's one of those guys that okay he gives up the losses but he's very dangerous as well against the guy i still wouldn't mind seeing him fight tom de Colma in in uh september on that bama card whether that'll happen now or not i'm not sure but you know, it's it's nice to see guys like Phil Bot and, and other guys like that taking chances, you know, going out places like they take t- like this taking these big fights and you know, on fight pass a lot of exposure for him and things like that. So it's uh it was nice to see him doing that. Unfortunately the result didn't go well for him. It could have been a lot better for him as well. When you think about it, a win there would have been an absolutely dream scenario for him because it yeah. would have put first of all the Duke and Wah fight into a great uh, great position. Seen on fight pass as well, who knows what could have came from that. Um, so unfortunately he didn't get the result that he wanted but he's a guy he's, uh, he put up a great status today Like do you know what I mean I don't want to say he has no choice but that this is all he does and this is what he does it's that he is the, the hunger and the desire and the drive and even like look at it this way though I didn't see it online maybe that's because it was a Japanese event made weight do you know what I mean flew across the other side of the world and made weight He's he's put weight on driving from Balamina to Dublin before in the past, like do you know what I mean? Hasn't been able to cut it. But this time he flew to the other side of the world. It's a much harder to, to cut weight, especially on short notice when you're holding on to so much extra weight on airplanes. Do you know what I mean? Getting accustomed to food, not being able to eat the right things, maybe not having access to the right stuff over there, and he still made weight. Do you know what I mean? It was a new it was a new side of Alan Philpot, like we'd so, like we've said before in the past. Hopefully it's here to stay. It was a mistake. Um, to be honest, I did see uh, pictures of the finish. I do want to see the finish, but did he when he was given it? When he was, was he dropped or did he slip and then no, turn? Yeah, so he slipped. But when he turned, did he give his back in a big way or was it? No, could he have been was, tighter? Even though he was a technical thing, as opposed no, to a, you're never gonna. It's no, it, what happened was what happened was he slipped right. He was trying to kick and he slipped. And your man was kind of on top of him for a while and then he gave him a bit of space and he tried to get out and he kind of tried to get back to his feet by kind of going on all fours. And when he did that, he kind of moved to the left wrong and your man just took his back straight away and then it was kind of... He was trying to get up when he took his back. It wasn't from when he slipped. You know? I see, I see. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I suppose we'll get on to um, a few questions. Let me grab uh, them. Let, while you do that, let me give a shout out to our sponsors, rosnutrition.com. The best website in ireland for all your except severe all right for for all your um nutrition is nutrition the right words for all those sort of needs anyway supplements and stuff like that um tell a friend about it as well they get 25 percent off give that's a free birthday present there you know if your friend's birthday coming off it's, it's promo code severe mma uh, you get 25 percent off your first order at rosnutrition.com as andrew told you to start the show there great proteins bcaa's uh vitamins and all stuff like that keep you healthy you know help you with your your training just help you with your general life 
in uh, your general life in general, rosnutrition.com promo code severe MMA for twenty five percent off your first order. Andrew, Sean, McGahan, questions. Will you first of all? We've passed two thousand one hundred followers on uh, exactly two thousand one hundred followers on the Severe Podcast account. Can you check while I'm looking up this first question? Has Alexander Gustafsson just stepped in to fight Glover Cechsera? Oh, Breaking yeah. news on the podcast. Because it was the first tweet that came up on the uh, on the timeline, but I don't know the account and I don't know if it's le- legit or not. So just you look at yours there, stick something in, tell me if it's true and I'm going to pull up the likes. Mm. The beautiful likes. Let's go to Ariel's bench. Remember, you have to also uh, go over a question that came into our DMs. You can do that. But as um, always, first day. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that up yet. Okay, no, never mind. No. It was just someone maybe, because it was in a foreign language. So maybe it's someone saying, I would love if Alexander Gustafsson stepped in awesome. to fight Glover Cechsera. Mr. Podge. One Mr. Podge. First, as always, is Overeem back or still at Jackson Winkle John for his next fight? Do you think there will be any uh, awkwardness after the Arlovsky fight? Uh, not really I don't think they're really trained together anyway and Arlovsky is the most awkward man in the world so whoever's training with him it's going to be awkward anyway but he's, I think he will go back one thing about Andrew Arlovsky as Peter Carroll will tell you he's very photogenic put the put the camera in the right man's hands and you'll get a beautiful picture of Andrew Arlovsky exactly just before we get into more questions we got a, a request there for a shout out from uh, uh, Mark Ashbridge Give a shout out to him from his sons, Matthew and Max, for fathers there. The big fans of the podcast, apparently, all those lads. So ah, shout out to them. There you go. That's it. Happy Father's Day as well. Send lads. Yeah. Good work. Um, thought, oh, well, we spoke about our Will Brooks thoughts. Will Brooks on fire. Uh, <laughs> David Danny wants to know why has Ross Pearson been made the sacrificial lamb to Will Brooks? Yeah, uh, it's probably because. They don't think he's he's you know that, he's that fight is happening because he doesn't have that big Gilbert Menendez contract. He doesn't have that big Eddie Alvarez contract. That's why they got big hard fights because they're on big money, so they're going to be giving him them big fights. For him, it's a slow build. They're going to build him up to to become a champion or stuff. But he's not there yet in the UFC's eyes, even though he was a Bellator champion. Yeah, you often do see that the like sometime the UFC matchmaking and maybe one that you would see with Fader is okay. We're going to give you this guy just to show that your guys aren't. Like where you came from isn't as good as you're making it out to be. Yeah, you know, here's, like, a, here's a question uh, from Jack Durges from the DMs as well. Uh, he's two of them. One is about Conor McGregor and, and Michael Bisping. Whether that's a fantasy matchup that could happen, I don't think so. I think the gap is a little bit too big between them. And the other one is could Wonderboy do a similar sort of game plan against Robbie Lawler that he did against um, against Rory McDonald in that fight? What yes. do you think about that? I don't. No. No, I think I don't think Robbie's going to wait and be as defensive as Rory was. Oh well, I I was doing again like as if. Do you not think that Wonderboy has the ability? You mentioned how the big cage was going to be a factor. I think it oh, yeah. absolutely was a massive factor against McDonald. Any time McDonald felt like he was pushing him up to the back line, he was gone. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. fair enough. Okay, you need to have an opponent who is willing to throw less strikes. I think Wonderboy Thompson could dance around Lawler for full five rounds. Do you know what I mean? And get hit minimally, even with Lawler coming to bear bear him down, like because if he has that much of a bigger cage. Yeah, I think I think Lawler will bring bring the pressure because he, sometimes Lawler's fights he tends to fight a little bit like 
who who know I don't know who, but he tends to fight like he'll fight you in the pocket and he'll he'll kind of jab you up with he'll hand fight with you and he you know he'll hit you kind of the odd the odd punch and then he'll up the pace and he'll up it and he'll up it and he'll bring the pressure. If he brings the pressure like that against Wanderby, it's very very dangerous. Like pressure on Wanderby is the probably the way the the best way to get to him pressuring him with strikes when you're not as defensively sound as someone like even like Rory McDonald. Even Rory McDonald was you know, he's probably the best defensive fighter, one of the best defensive fighters in MMA, apart from Dominic Cruz. Um he still got hurt that we saw in the last few rounds. Like Robbie Lawler's not as defensively good as Wonderboy and he you know he throws a lot more volume and stuff. If he comes at him like that, Wonderboy I think Wonderboy will eat him up. Really will. But Wonderboy like Wonderboy tries uh, like that, that fight at the, at the weekend happened because of the way Rory McDonald fought, not the way Wanderboy fought. Like, I don't think that was Wanderboy's game plan. I think Wanderboy was planning on seeing Rory McDonald throwing jabs and big hooks and stuff, and then he was going to take him out. But he, you know, he Ooh, fought with the You actually have reduced me to yawning listening to you talk about, about Wonderboy. Like. Excellent na- analysis there. How dare you. Go on, next the, the final follow up from Mr. Podge was who would replace Rogan if Zufa sells? Jimmy Smith or would the likes of Stan and Hardy step up? He would like to see Frank Mir. What do you think? I want the uh, Russian Ru- guy. Well, that's exactly what Karen Stapleton said. Should Russian Mike Goldberg be signed to commentate on all, all Fight Pass events in the future? All events, not just Fight Pass. <laughs> yeah, just all uh, events. In all seriousness, uh, Brian Sand, I think, is the best. Not Kenny Florian. I, I know we talked about not saying negative things about people. But Kenny Florian is fucking terrible. Uh, really, I like I like Kenny Florian. I think he's I really artist. enjoy John Anik. He's good. Uh, John Anik is good, yeah. Um, but John Anik is the play-by-play like or the, the uh, co- yeah the play-by-play for a color commentator. I think Brian Sand is well. I think Dominic Cruz is actually very good. The couple he did with he didn't do UFC, but he did on Fight Pass. I, I like Dan Hardy as well, but I don't think they'll put an English voice in there. Frank Mir was excellent doing it for uh, WEC back in the day. Um, but Brian Sand is definitely my number one, and I don't. I just I think Kenny Florian is very good in the desk. I think he's good at presenting and all the stuff like that, but I don't think his commentary, his core commentary, is good, and I think they should stop. Having him there, just don't let him do it. Maybe Chael Sonnen as well. He could be doing. It. He did it for a World Series of Fighting. If there's one thing I think about Kenny Florin is that his co-commentary isn't good and that he shouldn't be there. I agree with you, Andrew. I don't know if I've made that clear or not. No, you did. I was just making a joke about taking your point. You know when we're talking about <laughs> Kenny Florin. Yeah. Whatever. John Harker wants Kenny to know: Florian, Would a Theo Theodoru esque strike and move in a bid to wear your opponent down serve Connor well versus Nate? The impact on his arms alone would slow Nate's boxing. I see a lot of people saying that. Maybe, but I don't think that's the way Conor McGregor fights. Like Conor McGregor is a go. He he. Okay, he could fight um, countering very well as well, but he's a go forward fighter. You know, if he, if he fights you like that, he's going to be countering you with big shots. He's not going to tip and tap from the outside like he could do it. Maybe, but I don't. I really don't see it to be honest. Hmm. With a second good win at £170, this is from the worst username on Twitter, Sheehan's Tatos. The best. Is there any danger of Cowboy getting into title contention at 170 in the next year? He could do because he fights so much if he keeps winning. Um, I, I don't think he will, to be honest, in, in Walter West. It's so good. I think there's a lot of good guys. But maybe. I wouldn't, I, like, I wouldn't rule it out. John Harker wants to also know, what's your favourite Snapchat filter? I like the new strawberry one I haven't seen that No it's actually quite funny I, I like the sloppy face one The what? 
the swappy face one no i like the second one the one that kind of makes your mouth go your your lip go up and your the side of your mouth go down oh yeah i'm sending you it now um aiden markey wants to know why do you think maldonado employed the homer simpson boxing strategy have to admit i absolutely appreciate and love that reference and if it was five rounds do you think it could have worked I think Fedor probably would have finished him if that fight had gone on. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him in the second round. Maybe he broke his hand or something. No, no, no. Like, or... First of all, how good was the doctor trying to fix his nose? Put, like, <laughs> Definitely one of Fedor's mates in there with the bag of ice, like pushing it into his nose, like just trying <laughs> to scrunch it up even further. His manager, his coach probably got a word, like just a tip in the back, and it's like, here, give him the right advice in this corner now, yeah? See Habib coming over to, to Fedor uh, between the rounds giving him advice and stuff. Really? Yeah, he did. Oh. Andy Cowan wants to know, if the UFC were to keep a ladies 125 pound division, how would it shape up? Fantasy top 10. I couldn't even name top 10. St- I couldn't even name 10 strawweights. Do you know what I mean? Don't ask me a silly question like that. However, Valerie Letourneau, uh, Joanne Calderwood both looked incredibly healthy the other day. The cut to 155... Is one fifteen is too much? Didn't Valerie say something about it? Nearly killed her the last time. Yeah, she's fought at thirty five before as well. Like. Let them fight at one twenty five. Do a division. I agree. Work away. I I don't think they should do a division because there isn't that no, enough people. But just let them fight. Have fights there. I, that's what I think. Just just have fights. Exactly. Um, too many Wonderboy related questions here to go through but we Come might on, as well Eamon McLean wants to know is Wonderboy the pound for pound, pound for pound king fuck Jones and Mighty Mouse let me look at the pound for pound list now okay uh, um, I think he's number four fair enough the uh, Jones Johnson Cruz that underscore Irish Karen wants to know how do I feel about Wonderboy I yeah. won welcome our new Wonderboy overlord I have to say as you know 73 episodes into the podcast now Sean Sheehan usually gets wiped in every single one of them by me it's probably for the best that one of his picks finally comes through in the form of Wonderboy excellent Richie F wants to know what's next for Rory we said we think it's both going to be Bellator if I'm yep. right Mc- so. McDuffie then D-H-U-F-F-Y 67 on Twitter wants to know what's the reason the UFC don't release official pay-per-view numbers I'll tell you why, Mick, and Sean will too. Yeah, tell him, go on, you tell him, I'll agree with you. They do not want the fighters to know what their true worth is, in my opinion. They have absolutely no reason not to brag about figures if they get released, and if they're genuine, and if they're genuine and all of that sort of thing, then yeah, go for it. But I, like, I do agree, I think they should be released. But they can, they're able to say, no, we're a private company. We don't have to release that sort of thing. But I think for transparency, if it wasn't such a big deal, you would release it. Yeah, there's there's definitely, that's probably the main reason. I think there's a touch as well as they don't want people to know how well the business is doing. So, you know, like, say uh, they have a card in six weeks' time and it does, you know, a million pay-per-view buys. And then the next one does 150,000 people are going like, oh, what's happening to this thing, you know? And UFC for ages and ages, they've had this problem with deciphering um, cards from cards or fights and fights. Like Not UFC, anymore, though. 
not anymore but Dana White speaking like when he speaks he he doesn't there's no difference between Thomas Almeida against Cody Garbrandt and John Jones against Daniel Cormier like you know they've, they've treated him like that all the time obviously they treat him very differently promotionally and you know it's obviously what they mean and things but they've always been like that as if us, it's, you know this is another fight this is another fight card it's, this is big you know it doesn't matter, you know, if it's Dimitri Stanson against Wilson Hayes on pay-per-view or Daniel Cormier and John Jones on pay-per-view. This is just as big a pay-per-view, you know. Uh, and I think that kind of myth is something that they like to keep up and they want to keep up. And if you want to go even further with it, like we talked about the Reebok deal, like we talked about, talked about potential sales, look at the absolute amazing cards the UFC have put on in the last year. Perfect to turn around to a potential buyer and say, look, if you do it right... You can do cards like this. You can get numbers like this. Yeah. So that's uh, I think there's a bit of reasoning in that to it as well. Robert Palmentieri, turning into a regular contributor here on the Severe MMA podcast, says, with fighter pay becoming more talked about by fighters publicly, Diaz, Cowboy, Calderwood, I suppose on the opposite side of that, Conor McGregor, will we see steps towards an MMA fighters union be taken? No, definitely not. I was actually watching the golf last night. Did you see it? There's No, uh, definitely not. Did not. Dustin Johnson, there was this thing where he has touched the ball maybe and people talking about whether he had or not. And every other player that was like finished their round came out in support of him. Every player. You know, even, I, I don't know, I don't really understand golf and what happened, but everyone came out in support of him. If that was MMA, half the people, like three people come out in support of him and then like 900 people come out and say, no, he, you know, he's only a bitch and he didn't deserve it anyway and shit like that. That's why there'll never be a union. They won't stick together. You know, they won't look for the common good. You see, and you see with the cowboy thing, you know, it's a little bit sad as well, isn't it? Cowboy's one of the most active fighters fighting at a top level all the time for years and years and he still feels he's and paid enough that's where we're at in this sport that's fucking sad if you ask me like whew Graham Scott wants to know Ottawa had three huge knockdown recoveries could this be down to the new weighing system making fighters fresher in the cage that's a good question like we obviously don't know the answer to it but maybe (laughs) but yes I'd like to think so like I can't give a definitive answer it's what we're pretty much saying we don't know the answer but you would like to think that was the reason that the fighters were able to recover and continue fighting. Yeah, I agree. It's a good, even if it isn't, it's a good thing anyway. You know, they should keep doing this. I noticed they took my idea of uh, during the weigh-ins that they were like they brought them up on the scale and then they caught away to them weighing in earlier that day. Oh, did and they? they showed that? Yeah, and then they had them stare off. I so think that, it's that more funny. more funny that the guy acts like he's checking the weight and then still says the weight that the weight in it earlier on. Yeah. Um, Keith Finn wants to know with Fedor struggling against Maldonado struggling is an understatement in my opinion do you see the UFC offering him a contract for the record I think they should I think they will yeah I think Josh Gross said it on the MMA beat there and actually Josh Gross was really good on the MMA beat and uh, it's a pity we don't see more of him covering MMA in video form especially like that uh, but he said that he heard that the UFC had already signed Fedor and it was just a matter of him getting that fight out the way and he's coming but maybe that draw and maybe that thing changed things but I don't think so I think he'll still be in the UFC did you find Amy McLean again once to know did you find the third round of the Calderwood fight hard to watch Valerie turned her back three times the ref was too slow perhaps yeah I agree the ref was in a tough position for a lot of that fight but in the end he should have stopped it when she turned her back and like um, 
who was she fighting? Collarwood got two or three shots off that he sh- that, sorry she shouldn't have gotten. Um, it was weird because it was like Collarwood hit her and maybe the se- first the end of the first second round and kind of kicked her top or something and it looked like her top was ripped but it actually didn't. But Letourneau kept going back to it all the time. She kept like pulling up. She thought like she was falling out of her top or something, and he kept putting her off a lot. Uh, she got hit with a ferocious body shot then as well, which hurt her. And then Calderwood hit her with another one just seconds before the end, and that kind of finished her off. And she she turtled away and kind of you know turned her back and stuff. So the referee should have stopped it at that that stage. But Calderwood neither neither up the arse, in fact, and then hit her with a punch, and then hit her with a big spinning back fist, which which finished her, which never should have happened. Think the ref should have stopped it? Yeah, definitely. Fair enough. Uh, Jim Broderick wants to know: Does the UFC sale going through Broderick. a sale, Broderick? Broderick. Broderick. Yeah. Broderick. Hopefully he's from like West Limerick or something or else you're saying it right and I'm saying it wrong. The way you say Broderick. It's like, I know I've made that Broderick. reference before. Little mm. Britain, the guy that's in the fancy restaurant that then's like, and a packet of Monster Munch with every order that he makes. Yes. Uh, does the UFC sale, going through a sale, limit McDonald's options as a free agent or does it make any difference? I'd argue that it doesn't make any difference yeah, because that's going to be a behind-the-scenes thing. Still going to have the same people working on contracts, negotiations, all that sort of stuff. Um, what do you think about the Canadian fans booing and moaning about the air conditioning? Or about, soft fuckers. Hmm, worse than the Russian fans at the Euros. Well, about AC. So I'm guessing that means air conditioning. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> What's AC otherwise? Yeah, you're right. Athletic yeah. Commission? No, no, it's it's air conditioning, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I agree. They're they're soft. They're not as bad as the Russian fans at the Euros because they're going out betting the shit out of people and things, but yeah. Exactly. Just man up. It's only a bit of heat. He's uh returned to the podcast with as typically a vague and hipster question as you would expect. Daniel Bradley. Daniel Bradley, how many guys of these guys do you know and how many can you see reaching the UFC? Number one, Ivan Bushinger. Don't even know if was he, that he was still around. Never heard of him. Definitely didn't see him ever fight live. Uh, Chris Fishgold, yeah. Fishy. Paddy Pimblett, yeah. yeah. Can't wait till Paddy Pimblett's on every like MMA websites. Well, he already was this year. Well, he will be from Severe here on out. Like. Severe Madden before anyone. Of course, I know that. But it's going to be uh, 2017's next top star in mixed martial arts. Paddy Pimblett had a very good back and forth uh Slagger match with Dylan Took actually on Instagram the other day. Did he? Yeah, that. that is a wood watch. Oh, Jesus, yes. Um, Tom Dukin was on the list as well. And the other guys, I have absolutely no idea. I saw one dude. I, I know knew all of them except one dude. He's kind of a long name. Maybe number seven or something. George Valentinov? Yeah, well, I, know, I heard him. I have no idea who that is. Oh, Valitoli, Val- Anatoly Tolov was on that as well, wasn't he? Who? Yeah. Anatoly Tolov, yeah, he was the guy that was fighting at EFN, he was actually good, but the commentator kept saying to him, Anatoly Tolov, Anatoly Tolov, just kept repeating it over and over, it was brilliant, but that EFN as well, like, the, the production was brilliant on that, we didn't mention earlier on, the, um, the orchestra and, you know, the Cirque du Soleil shit, oh my brilliant. god, outstanding, they need to bring outstanding, that to oh, without a doubt, it was, it was, Japan's version of Limp Biscuit performing live for The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And did it was see, beautiful. Did you see the wacky wave of little blonde flailing tube spider? I did. Brilliant. She was amazing. As I said on Twitter, we're in the age, Sean, where that should be made out of steel and lasers. Not suspended with air floating inside. I, I, listen, I, listen, I couldn't fault him. 
I couldn't fault them for any of thing, anything that they did at the weekend. Well, <laughs> literally nothing. <coughs> Not even the judging. Fuck it. It's all right. The judging was fine because we got yeah. a great spider. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Miles wants to know one for tonight's podcast. Do you think Robbie Lawler literally beat the fear into McDonald? He looks afraid to take a punch now. And he did say. I believe in the last couple of days he doesn't know what to do about the fact that his nose is going to keep breaking in every fight. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think Ronnie McDonald is afraid or anything. No. Oh, but I think the nose is definitely a problem here. Yeah. yeah. He needs to get that fixed. Definitely will be. Matt Pike wants to know do you think the UFC will go with a title fight against Bisming for his return fight? I'm assuming that means George St. Pierre? Yeah. I think Because then other people said. What would happen if St. Pierre were to beat Bisbing? Do you think would he be able to hang with huge middleweights like Rockhold? That was from Colin Ward no. as well. I don't think so, no. I think if he fights Bisping, that'll be his one fight at middleweight. But imagine this. Imagine Michael Bisping, like, three wins in a row against Anderson Silva, Luke Rockhold, and George St. Pierre. Oh, my God. Man, for a guy who's like an, a journeyman, like an also ran in Retire. Jesus, that'd be Retire, retire, retire. Sheehan's Tatoes wants to know if you could put Donald Trump in the octagon with anyone who would you choose? Um, a Mexican. That's about uh, it. I, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, no, is she Mexican? Juliana Pena? No, I think she's Puerto Rican maybe or something. Someone like that. I'd, I'd put him in with, in with a woman's straw weight. Joanny in Jacek. Oh, That's who i put him in with. That would be good. Get the living fuck out of him. Two more ones before we oh, finish up here, Sean. I'm just looking at them here. Ian Thornton, we give our thoughts on James Gallagher and the Bellator card. Um, We just have one more. Go on. Most wins in UFC history. George Mm -hmm. St. Pierre, Michael Bisbee. Oh, yeah, I like that. Both tied with 19. Matt Hughes, it looks like. Yeah, Matt Hughes with 18. Damien Maya was on as well, didn't he? Damien Maya has 17. And there's one other person. Someone else with 17. Who's the other person? Come on, Andrew, you should know that. I've axed out of it. You find it. Either way, because I closed it since it was the last question, who would be the first fighter to get to 20 wins? Cerrone was on it, wasn't he? Was it Cerrone that was 17? So, yeah. Let me look could, it up. could be Cerrone. He could fight three times before GSP and Bisping fight. And or maybe not. No. I'd, I'm going to say Bisping. Yeah, because we're going to say he's going to win. Yeah. Do you think he, who do you think will win that? Um if he fought GSP. GSP and Bisping, yeah. I don't know. I like fair enough, ultimate fairy tale story if Michael Bisping did it. But you've put the fear and God into me now when you're saying like he wouldn't be able to take Bisping down as easy because Bisping's huge. Yeah. Because St. Pierre is small as well when you think about it. He's the same height as McGregor. Yeah. If not smaller. Would um, you think win uh, Bisping or uh, Wonderboy? Uh, wonder boy I'll give you that look I just don't want to keep admitting stuff to you that you're right I'm also uh, sorry I was distracted there for the previous 60 seconds and it's like you always talk, try to talk to me extensively when I am but uh, went on a on a lovely date today we were out exploring the northeast and uh, as we got interrupted the podcast earlier on I'm getting whatsapps to beat the band here because there's 
I don't know, there's crack on in some pub in Dundalk, and I might go Aren't for sure. a spicy bag now after this podcast. Away with you, so away with you. In no, in, in no particular rush, just so I can still say goodbye and all of that sort of thing in my nice, slow, mellow tone, you know, the chill hour here with Andrew McGahan on the Severe MMA podcast. Of all the stars that ever shone, not one I don't know that song. Like your rare blue eyes. You don't know Nancy Swain. Okay, oh, now on. that you said the word I... It just reminded me what I wanted to open the podcast with. Yeah? On the date today, guess what I was told? Uh, what? That I'm a beautiful singer? Aside from that, guess no. what else? I, okay, guess the two know. things I was told today. I don't know. Number tell one, me. Andrew, Sean's a beautiful singer. Will you tell him when you're recording the podcast later? Nice. No hassle. Number two, and I quote, Your eyes are Sidona coloured. That's a fucking compliment. That is the best thing that's ever been said to me in my life. And it was while I was drinking a bottle of Sidona. Jesus, that's a keeper there. I had a bottle of Sidona on the water, you know, on the pier. And I was just like, oh my God. Sidona coloured eyes, like the best thing in the world. I was going around today wearing my LeBron James t-shirt. I saw that. And just hoping people would say, oh, oh, you're a big Cavaliers fan. Yeah, I am. Are you actually? I I just support, I just, no, I just, well, I am kind of. (laughs) I no, I just like the winners. <laughs> I supported the uh, Miami Heat when he was with them as well. I just support LeBron James. He's my favorite. And did you stay up for it? Oh, I miss yeah, Money I in the uh, Bank, actually. I need to watch Money in the Bank this week. It's good, yeah. No, did you not watch it? I watched it, yeah. All oh, right. Even though I left home at 8 o'clock this morning, I stayed up all night to watch Money in the Bank and the basketball. Great, man. Dedication. Yeah. Hard, Hard work, dedication. Beats all. That is it though, unfortunately, Sean, I think an hour and 44 minutes in the bank, depending on how much we have to edit out of this podcast for legal reasons. Probably about 52 minutes. So. Yeah, so there's only about like, like uh, this isn't going to be a situation where I say 10 minutes left of the podcast and we're here 30 minutes later, because it is five past one in the morning. The podcast is going to be out in a few hours. If you're listening, as always, we appreciate the support from the bottom of our cold, cold, bitter, bitter hearts. My name is Andrew McGahan. You can find me at Twitter at Andrew McGahan underscore. He is Sean Sheehan, the head of the John O'Shea fan club of the Limerick branch. Anyway, at Sean Sheehan BA. Get us at Severe MMA all week long at Severe MMA over on Instagram, over on Facebook, over on Twitter, over on all of that good shit. I am going to Vegas. It looks like IMAF World Championships, UFC 200, Severe MMA Snapchat. You can guarantee, Sean, I'm bringing an extra phone with me just for good Snapchatting. Nice. I like it. I am on the ball this time. There will be uh, good content, all of the good stuff. Short notice trip. Fairly happy with that. We'll see us there if there's any Irish going over. Who knows? But... Sean, I have to uh, say a couple of things, as always. The Severe MMA t-shirts, the Scramble t-shirts, we will have more information on them next week. They're here. They are beautiful. They are swagalicious. Just to be safe, you're a podcast listener. You want to guarantee one, okay? Send us a DM. Our DMs are open. We follow back everyone anyway that follows the podcast. Just let us know because I would like to be able to... I'm saying this to the people that listen to the podcast, Sean, more than anything. I would like... I don't want uh, to get a message from someone. Sorry, I fucking... Sorry, I missed that. Is there any more of them left? Because when they're gone... They're gone. They're gone. Aside from that, though, as always, thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a great week. Hope everybody listening to this podcast is a fucking amazing week. Because at the end of the day, Sean, we said it earlier on, the universe, energy, all of that shit is real. 
Hopefully this podcast made the last hour and 45 minutes a little bit more bearable, a little bit more uh, soothing, a little bit more easy. And even if we are just talking shite for the most of it, it was probably the most fun hour and 46 minutes I've had in the last 24 hours, if that makes you feel better. That's nice. Isn't it? I'm glad to have helped you, Andrew. Yeah, so you're a fucking... um, That that doesn't say much for your fucking date, though, does it? What, my date? Yeah. Oh, shit, I have to edit this. (laughs) She won't listen anyway. Okay. Nah, who knows? But just in case, like, okay, uh, no. Nah, okay, so on. when I say that, like, I mean internet. I know what you mean. I mean I internet you mean. interaction, like. I get you. It's yeah. been the most enjoyable two hour Skype call of my last 24 hours. <laughs> it's the only one, probably. It's the it? only one, yeah. yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so. You heard those air horns, I hope? I heard them, yeah. I heard okay, them. good. I, you were just basking in it. Yeah, um, anything you'd like to say before we, we tip on? No, that's about it. No, Andrew, follow us on, on at Sean Sheehan, be at Andrew McGahan underscore. Um, Sean Sheehan MMA on, on Facebook, Sphere MMA on Facebook, all those good things. And you know what? What? We'll see you next week. <laughs>